FBI! If the bus blows up, he wins. Hello and welcome to the Ornithology Presents the Keanu Copia. My name is Ben Hyten and joining me as always is... It's me, it's Alex. Today we are talking about the 2000 movie The Gift, directed by Sam Raimi and written by Mr. Billy Bob Thornton. Really? With some help from Thomas Epperson. Yeah, now, Billy Bob Thornton and Sam Raimi had previously worked on a film called A Simple Plan from a few years earlier to Mm. excellent effect. Um, And Billy Bob had this idea kicking around in his head because his mother was a fortune teller. She did premonitions and readings and all that sort of stuff. Ah. So he put some of his knowledge of that into Kate Blanchett's character in this film. Now, Billy Bob is a bad Santa, isn't he? Indeed. It's it's quite interesting, actually, looking at this film in the context of 2000, because Billy Bob Thornton was a really big deal at the time, you know, a, a Hollywood name, which he arguably isn't anymore. Kate Blanchett was uh, up and coming. It was obviously just about to release the, the Lord of the Rings films, which would solidify her, but she was very much classed as one of the, the best actresses of her generation coming up. And you've got our man... Uh, Keanu Reeves, who's just come off the biggest hit of his career, The Matrix, and doing something very, very different from his role in that. And then, of course, you've got Sam Raimi, who, whilst doing post-production on this movie, signed up to do Spider-Man and help kick off the the generation of comic book movies that we are still living with now. And many consider Sam Raimi's uh, second Spider-Man movie to be in the very, very best of the genre. What's your sort of experience of Sam Raimi is it is it confined to those Spidey films or have you Pretty seen much. his you haven't seen his his wider work uh if I have I don't know that it's him so okay. let on me what, what are some of his movies well uh, the Evil Dead trilogy including Army of Darkness no nope. um Simple Plan Drag Me to Hell no nope. uh, Oz the Great and Powerful was I think the last thing he did no nope. okay so just Spider-Man then. Sam Raimi Spider-Man's. That's it. That's my experience as Sam Raimi. Uh, but hearing that list, it's like, sounds like he's got a kind of a horror leaning. Definitely where he came from, yeah. And um, he worked with the Coen brothers when they were starting out. and They they would do work on each other's films. So he'd give them ideas for things like Raising Arizona. I think they helped him edit uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And they worked together on a movie called Crime Wave as well. So they came up and did independent dramas, thrillers, and, and he was doing what he calls spooker blast horror movies, which are very cartoony, very gory, but very wacky. Um, What's that name again? I never heard it before. Spooker blast. Spooker blast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like adult Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing that Peter Jackson was doing before he did Heavenly Creatures. You know, these very gory, very wacky, low-budget horror movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, I don't think... I can't claim to know this director. Um, and weirdly, hearing you go down that list, this is it wrong to say that this film feels more like this is a Sam Raimi film than Spider-Man? Would you say this is more to a degree of his type of movie? To a yeah. degree, I think this is a um, what you would tend to call a Southern Gothic, 
Um, it's very, yeah, very much take place in the swamps and and the uh, yeah. the back roads uh, of a small town, and there's there's mystical supernatural stuff going on it. So there's some of what Raimi's known for, which is snaking cameras, odd angles, yeah. and then incredible jolts. Uh, he's very good at, at creating tension out of very little, and I think that yeah is present I in this film. That. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think what's odd about this is the storyline basically the content because this is once you get to the end of it you realize it's possibly not the film you were sold and that can be a problem this is really a straightforward whodunit i was just about to say that that is exactly what it is when you get to the last 40 minutes half an hour of the film that's when it becomes apparent that it's a whodunit yeah um and and it, it that really takes a turn at that point yeah and then if you're familiar with whodunits it then becomes a bit of a, a like an obvious film uh, like you're, that questioning that you're going, you see, you are questioning who done it throughout, but you don't feel like it's who done it. You think it's a supernatural thriller, yeah. And then it does, it does take that shift, like in the last half an hour, forty minutes. You mentioned Southern Gothic, so mm. you said uh, it can't have been an accident. Then he cast Gary Cole in this, possibly because not. My first experience of Gary Cole was in the TV series American Gothic, sure, which was. In the nineties, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, something like that. You gotta love Gary Cole, like not just because of Bill Lundberg, but just he's got this kind of smarm <laughs> that is. He, I don't know. I just lo- I love seeing Gary Cole on screen. Yeah. I, I don't think he's the most fantastic actor in the world. He always does the he always does the same thing. I don't expect him to do anything else. He's just got he's just got one of those faces that you're like, yep, cast Gary Cole in the scumbag role and you're set he's definitely good at sleazy for sure Mm. yeah this is a fantastic cast it is so on top of kate blanchett and keanu reeves uh we've got um giovanni ribisi uh we've got jk simmons we've got greg kinnear uh kim dickens katie holmes chelsea ross who am i missing oh michael jeter so lots of um, really good character actors and movie stars all together, and every t- every sort of ten minutes, yeah, the film delivers another ah, yeah. that person, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you you recognise them from someone you do, uh, Giovanni Ribisi, yeah, right, is he this season's Bill Paxton? Why? Just because he showed up in the Postman and he's showing up in this as well. <laughs> um. That's it. I'm, like, I'm just, it's, I'm just, it's a question. I'm trying to make some kind of a. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see him again, so that might be. Huh, and, shame. and the postman wasn't a Keanu movie, so. Yep. So maybe not. So no. Done. Case closed. He's a very intense young man at this period in his career, Giovanni Rubisi, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I like him, I, but he, he kind of, he kind of always plays this role. Pretty much, yeah. I, but uh, it's a shame because I, I don't think he's a bad actor at all. I think he's he does it really well. I did miss someone. Sorry, Hilary Swank. Yeah. Hilary Swank's in there. Hilary Swank, yeah. I was wondering if you said, said her. Yeah. Giovanni Ribisi is not this season's Bill Paxton. I'll take it. He's just he's just one of those guys that always plays that crazy, unhinged Phoebe, role. Phoebe's brother from Friends, which is basically the same character he's playing in this. Yeah, but just he's a PG version. He's a lot more intense in this one, yeah. Yeah, he's a lot. Setting falls on fire and that. So, yeah. before we go any further, then, given that we've mm-hmm. said that this is largely a whodunit, are we going to spoil whodunit when we get to the end? I think we should. Okay. So, fair warning. It's important to talk about it. 
So what this is about is uh, Kate Blanchett is um they they keep referring to her as a fortune teller yeah. uh, in this small town of of Brixton, not that Brixton. Over the course of the f- sort of first forty minutes, we get introduced to all the characters in this town. So her husband has died uh, within the relatively recent past. Her eldest son, she's got three, is having a hard time at school and starting fights. So she is quite well acquainted with Greg, Greg Kinnear's head teacher, who has got a young trophy girlfriend, soon to be bride, played by Katie Holmes, who looks like she might be a bit of a gold digger, who's also having affairs with Gary Cole, who's a lawyer. And later we, are, we find out Keanu Reeves, who's a wife-beating drunk, who's married to Hilary Swank, who's one of Kate Blanchett's clients so we set all of this stuff up Keanu Reeves doesn't particularly like Kate Blanchett because through these readings she's advising Hilary Swank to leave him because he is uh, violent with her and such and then uh, Katie Holmes goes missing and when the police run out of places to look uh, the local sheriff played by J.K. Simmons very reluctantly asks Kate Blanchett for help and it's it's you know, more than a third of the way into the film before that happens. And and Kate right. Blanchett is really brought into the main storyline of the film. So that's yeah. quite interesting, I think, from a structural point of view. There's there's a lot of what could be... We still She's still set up as the protagonist, you know, even though... Yeah, yeah, she is. She's the lead character. Yeah. But what I'm yeah. saying is that main storyline doesn't kick off until, in you know, no. well into the second act. No, and it's quite... I had to check the time before we see anything spooky, you know. There's it, everything looks kind of normal and seems kind of normal. I think we're at least twenty minutes in before, like Kate Blanchett meets Greg Kinnear and Kate Holmes as well. She just pops up there. She gets a vision. Mm. That's I was like, oh, cool! Like finally, you know, that there's some something supernatural happening. It was really well done. The the vision stuff in this, I think, was really well done, yeah. and it could have been hacky or, or tacky it didn't they got they got the effects right they got it all really right and i do remember this film being around now that we, now that i've seen it i don't think i've seen it before and mm. um, if i do i don't have any memory of it and i remember thinking the same thing at the time which is is that really how it is do you, do you know because I mean? back then in year 2000 whatever i was like is this real? Do psych- Do these psychics exist? Can they- can people do these things? I was questioning all that stuff. Um, I don't. Th- I don't think so now. Um, but the 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 question I had was, if it was real, what would it look like? And I think this film did a good job of like it does. It doesn't overstep the line, and certainly when you yeah. compare it to something as flashy and empty as The Watcher, the last film we watched. Oh my god! This oh is a, god. this is a, a a total different grade of cinema. You know. It um, really is. The way that Sam Raimi incorporates those fantastical elements into the real world and blurs the line between what Kay Blanchett is seeing with her eyes and what she's seeing with her third eye, if you want to put it that way, which I do, yeah. um, is is very tastefully and elegantly done. And even if he does go for a, a jump scare every now and then, it feels earned because you've had yeah. this creeping tension grow instead and a lot of that is driven by the tensions between the characters and yeah. the sense that the sense that Kate Blanchett isn't full of shit she's she's quite reluctantly in touch with this other world that we can't see yeah i mean she even though she, you know she says later on her grandma told her she had the gift and she shouldn't be afraid of it she should embrace it it's not like she's she's not trying to access it all the time 
You know, she's just, she recognizes the power of it and she's, she doesn't ever want to use it for personal gain. She says at one point, like, yeah. or I don't think she can actually. She's That's, not, she's not allowed to charge a fee. So people give her donations. So, you know, and I don't, you know, what else is she going to do? Like, if you're not allowed to use the gift for personal gain. Yeah. yeah I, and I don't know where that rule comes from, whether it's just like her grandma's rule. Or no, it's a law. In the court case, it's a law. No, no, no. I thought I thought she meant like that's how the gift works. I, I remember the bit in the court case. Oh, when she says, I can't. Yeah, okay, I can't. Yeah. Because, well, it's because she doesn't get to choose what she sees. It comes to I her or it that's doesn't. That's the point I'm trying to. Yeah, that's the point I'm trying to pick up on. Yeah. Is, is how does how does the gift work? And they don't actually go too deeply into that, which I think is a good thing. Because it it's worth it. It's it, it pays for it to just remain a bit of a mystery in this film. It's not it's not the important storyline of like, what is this gift? How does it work? Yeah. Like, you know. And but the the lawyer does speak to it. It's like, well, if you've got this gift, why can't you do all this stuff? And there is just one or two lines that tries to explain like she can't use it for that. But this left me this question. So early on, we find out that Kate Blanchett, um, Kate Blanchett's husband dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, died. I don't know. One or two years before this, I think so. Yeah, a couple film, of years, probably yeah. not not much more before that. And there's a suggestion by the Greg Kinnear character. It's like, tell me, did you see that he was going? Did you know? And I don't remember what she said. I, I'll admit, I phased out. I don't remember. Did she say that she actually saw something and didn't warn him? No, I don't think so. She didn't. So does that does that play into the lore of this that? She can't use it for personal gain. So personal gain mean save your husband from a tragedy. Like, is that personal gain? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's pre- it's pretty extreme. But if she doesn't have the power to sort of do it lucidly and say, I'm going to go and look at this now. You yeah. Know, she, can, she, she seems to have a certain element of agency when the vision comes to her. Yeah. Like when she's walking around the lake to the, the, the gates of what she's previously yeah. described. I thought that was all a dream, though. That whole sequence was a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. what I'm saying is, within that dream, she seems to be able to guide where her presence is going, but she can't choose to access that dream. There's a difference. Correct. Yeah, I think that's that's the law of it. That's how it works. And there's a love. There's a really uh, beautiful scene. I thought that w- that I think is probably my favourite scene in the film, and also the reason why the ending was somewhat disappointing for me. In that Rosemary Harris, who uh, went on to be Raimi's Aunt May uh, yeah. in two years' time. And that's two films in a row now that we've had an Aunt May, by the way. We had Marisa yeah. Tomei last week. Yeah, yeah. We've got Rosemary Harris this week. Kate Blanchett is hanging out laundry to dry on a line mm-hmm. in her back garden. And as she hangs this sort of translucent white sheet, she sees the figure of Rosemary Harris beyond it and her... Yeah. her no pun intended. Her spirit picks up. She's pleased to see her. And we find yeah. out that it's her grandmother. And she's bringing a basket of persimmons for her. She says she always likes yeah. persimmons. And, but Kate Blanchett's dialogue tells you what you need to know. And she's saying, yeah. what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. Yeah. It's the only suggestion at that point that we've had that Kate Blanchett is perhaps somewhere in between worlds like um, Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense. She can see dead yeah. people and interact with them. And there's, there's also a, a very telling moment in that when she turns to look at her, I think her middle son. Yeah. And he apparently can also see grandma. And yeah. it's never mentioned again. But it's such an important scene, not just because it's really beautifully done and it's not hammering you over the head with these are the rules. It's kind of telling it to you on an elemental level. Right. 
And then in the grand reveal at the end of the film, regarding Giovanni Ribisi's character, it's given you the grounding and the information to, to decipher that scene and say, ah, right. that's what was happening yeah. there. He, he looked a little bit too clean and calm and content. It's interesting, the thing, what you say about the sun, because there is this little thread. Again, they're like little nods to try and flush out the characters and the, and the, the lore and the universe. But it's like, he actually says, why don't we go see dad anymore? The way he says it, is like dad's real, like dad just is hanging out there by the grave. Yep. So anytime he wants to go and see him, he can go see him. And uh, it makes so much more sense. And and you get the impression at the end, and I thought it was quite touching, when she comes to her son's bed and he's got the photo album, he's looking at the dad. She's been closed off to this thing. What her gift could give her, actually, it seems. And the fact that her son has this gift and all sorts of things. She's in denial and she's like, we we don't talk about him even you know there's that the whole thread of Kate Blanchett's character as a as a mum struggling with this gift and with relationships and with all this stuff I like that thread I don't know how to, I can't put my finger on it I was just left with this I, the the ending disappointed me as well but I was just left with this sense of just real sadness for for Kate Blanchett's character like although stuff gets resolved I just didn't feel good for her mm-hmm. like I I just felt like Come on, come on, do something to improve this situation. And I think she's been through a harrowing time, and I and I think it just it just continues. And I quite like it when films do that. But there was something it was I, I was left a bit frustrated and annoyed by the fact that Kate Blanchett's Kate Blanchett's character only resolved the issues that had come up, the dramas in this. But I don't think her life situation hasn't improved or changed very much. No, not really. Um, no. And she's lost someone that she cared about as well, because there's another lovely scene when we see that Giovanni Ribisi is a local mechanic and he's willing to do things for Kate Blanchett for free because in her readings for him, he feels that she's been a significant spiritual guide for him Mm -hmm. and and his mental well-being and his morality are decaying. We can see like he's really struggling and he needs someone to tether him to a, a moral center. And for him, Kate Blanchett is that character. And there's a, there's another lovely moment, again, in the first 20 or 30 minutes of the film, where he's begging her for some, some news, like, tell me, is something bad going to happen? And he keeps talking about this blue diamond. If I look into the blue diamond and I think a negative thought, am I going to die? And as Kate Blanchett's saying goodbye to him, she puts her hand on his shoulder. Mm. And her face changes to sort of say, I wish I had better news for you but she doesn't say anything and again it's this thing of like whatever the gift is however limited her access to it is and it is she's not a super hero at all it's it is told very much through Kate Blanche's performance rather than through dialogue and I really appreciate that Um, and that sadness that you speak of I think is there in the final scene because what she thought was real was wrong that's that's really sad for her, I think, because Giovanni Ribisi's character is dead and she didn't realise. Yeah. And she should have seen the bad thing coming. She saw a bad yeah. thing, but she never saw the bad thing. But that would be for personal gain. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It's I but it's the same thing, like she can't see if it benefits her in any way, she can't see it. But I don't think it would have I don't think that would have benefited her as much as it would have just saved his life. But I think it's it's part of the same reason why she didn't see her husband about to die you know she didn't get a vision that Giovanni Ribisi was going to kill himself in the mental hospital it's not a happy film no there's not a whole lot of levity in it 
Um, no, except for J.K. Simmons, I was glad for his scenes because he just cracks he cracks me up. I don't know why. Like the delivery of his delivery is I'm sure there was an eclair in here. <laughs> there was an eclair in there, and the guy looks. The guy he's talking to looks so like scared, but also beaten down. Like, like he has to tell him that someone's been murdered. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, well, Tom was in here before. <laughs> the thing that the thread that's horrible about this, I mean, it left me really uneasy. Is just how even in like it's the year two thousand. That's when this is set. It's like the women in this movie are like nothing. It's like it's almost like this film was set in the thirties or forties. I just don't know. It's like. It doesn't. It doesn't feel there's any awareness about like how women should be treated. She's not believed at all by the police officer. It's like this is. It's interesting, and I I understand that even though there was an idea that things had progressed or changed, then that things really hadn't. That people that it it really shows to me how the conversation really hadn't continued enough. And it was in the year two thousand like we really needed more, and it. It just it got to me like it was it was an aspect of the film that was like made it much harder to watch. I think. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you arguably see the film from from Kate Blanchett's pers- perspective, and you do see that yeah. very few people uh, trust or like her, and the one person who really does, Greg Kinnear, is got his own shit going on. <laughs> yeah, um, but exactly, you look at the yeah. other female characters, Katie Holmes, young sexy that's all she is yeah. treated as kim dickens her, yeah. so her her best friend uh kim dickens is great yeah like love her you must recognize her from deadwood right well i actually mainly know her from gone girl and she was oh, right. she was okay. a year after this getting felt up by kevin bacon in hollow man as well but yeah i really like kim dickens but she is she's treated as the mid-30s version of that like oh she's maybe good for a spin and not much else and and hillary swank is actively abused by her partner in this and and treated as very little so it's interesting and i wonder how much of that is a commentary on the setting and the time or or whether it's just that this is a film written and directed by men and that's the default setting is to make the male characters have depth and the female characters serve a purpose yeah i don't know that i was going to go there but i think it tried not to do that and in trying to do that it seemed as though it's like we get the female character story, but they are still, like you said, serving a purpose. And I wouldn't say necessarily that the male characters had depth. They are caricatures too, like Keanu's a caricature. Yeah, I, well, I, the only reason that I would say he definitely starts off uh, as a you know very 2D character, but then his scene in court shows yeah, he, sure. he, he does have a, a fucked up morality, whatever that may be. And he does have yeah. self-awareness as well. And he's very, very good in that scene as well. And I think Greg, he I think is. Greg Kinnear's character, yeah. t- to an extent as well, feels like there, there's more going on there than there is in Hilary Swank's character, for instance. Yeah. And then, if you look, just looking at Kate Blanchett's performance, she knocked it out. Of the She's park. great. She's really good. I mean, Kate Blanchett is is amazing. She conveys depth regardless of what was written for in the script. You see, it's just like. Full on, like. Well, I think because she's the protagonist, she's she's the exception. She does have at least multiple things going on, and and there's it's interesting how you see so many uh, shades again. So you see her as a very straightforward mother. You see her as this spiritual person, uh, and then you also see her as something of a lover, I guess, in her scenes with with Greg Kinney. You certainly see her trying yeah. to be seduced and seductive. 
Yeah, you know, and she gets dressed up to go out with her friend Linda. She's definitely looking to try again, you know. She's trying to move on, you know, from the death of her husband. You can see that. I don't know what it is. Maybe this is just like a random thought I had, but I just want to share it with you. I was really glad that nothing bad happened to the to the Linda character, to Kim Dickens. Yeah. I just, I just, she's one of those characters you just think she's going to get murdered in a really horrible, like hung from a tree yeah. outside of outside of Kate Blanchett's house. I'm like, don't do that. Please don't do that. And it's like, no. And and also that's the thing. And I don't know if you're ready to spoil it now. We're already spoiling it. Yeah. Greg Kinnear's character. I'm really glad. I was really relieved that he didn't just like turn into a psycho. He didn't go full it's psycho. My, yeah. It is a pet, uh, is a pet pee of big, mine. Big time. Me too. Yeah. To like, we, we've, I think we talked about we it have. before. I can't remember which film it was. Which one was it? Uh, we were talking about where someone didn't go full psycho, and I think it was. Oh, no, no, it was Saigon where he did. So yeah. let's not spoil who it was for anyone who hasn't. No, no, no. But yeah, it was Saigon. Saigon or Off Limits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that film. It, yeah, and so and it, it's really, really bad. Like, it's a really bad thing, and they didn't do that. And that's what's interesting in a in a film that's dealing with a, a topic. It's interesting. The film isn't dealing with the topic of the, the supernatural, the gift thing. It's called the gift, but the gift is just like this. Just happens to be the thing that's that's part of how this film is structured. It's not really the main feature of the film. The main feature of the film, as in all good movies, is a good story, well told, acted brilliantly. You know, that's it. That's that's a good film, and the 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 gift is incidental to the script arguably it's central to the script well it's it's central in the sense of making Kate Blanche's character the protagonist if J.K. Simmons was the protagonist of this film I mean apart from the fact he'd be absent from the third act the the gift itself would be ancillary to the main story it would be a, a component but not the driving force in the way it is yeah I mean that's the interesting thing about this movie I don't often have this thought maybe it's true in lots of films Maybe I'll think about it more. But this film in particular brought out this idea in me. It's like, I wonder what this film would have been like told from any of the other characters' perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there is a story to tell from from the J.K. Simmons character perspective. You could do a police procedural and that would be the character you'd usually exactly. hone in on. Yeah. And then Kate Blanchett would be uh, a supporting actor. Yeah. The gift isn't like very important it's central to the film, but the the film does a good job of not making a big deal about... I don't think the gift is the most important thing about the film. No, and I think because of those moments that are mentioned that I liked, that don't hammer you over the head with exactly what's happening to Kate Blanchett, but give you enough clues that you can sort of go along and say, you know, I get it. I think I get it. That also allows room for skepticism, and it's the thing that I always come back to with The Exorcist, is that... If you want to believe that Regan is possessed, the film will support that. If you want to believe that Regan is going through a psychological trauma and everyone is perceiving it as possession, the film will support that. And I think the gift isn't quite there, but I think there's enough no. room in those scenes to make you think... Yeah, you could you could doubt it for a while in this film, but then there's a moment when it just the film just says no. It's Well, yeah, but I think because of the limitations, again, of Kate Blanchett's access to this gift, that she can't turn it on at will, and she doesn't always no. necessarily interpret reality and vision appropriately, as we see with the Giovanni Ribisi scene, right? Yeah. I think that is also allowing a certain amount of scepticism of like, so let's say in the scene on the dock at the end where she 
smashes Greg Kinnear around the head. J.K. Simmons tells her he doesn't remember what happened, but he knows that Buddy, Giovanni Rubis' character, wasn't there, right? Yeah. Okay, Blanche's mind, Buddy very much was there. But yeah. did he physically interact with Greg Kinnear, or did she and perceive it as Gianna Rubis? Giovanni Ribisi. That's that element of skepticism I'm talking about. She, oh, I see. She could actually, doubt, like, yeah, she could actually have a lot more agency in this than the film wants to tell you that she does. Like it could be a Tyler Durden thing, right? So it could be that, and she did, she did hit, get a hit on the head, and she looked really out of it, and there's that the blood was in her eyes, and, and, and we see two different versions of that as well. Yeah, exactly. Where blood is yeah. pouring down her face, yeah. and then in the next shot, seemingly from Greg Kinnear's perspective, not so much. Yeah. blood isn't there anymore it yeah you can doubt it and like you said the gift doesn't quite go to that point of like you read it however you like it, it's something like this is i think the reason why i'm sticking to this point and trying to i'm trying to just hash it out is although there's a supernatural component to this film it's not a very important part of the film i don't leave going yeah i want that gift or wouldn't it be cool to have that gift it's incidental I don't think it's incidental, simply because it drives so much of the the plot, the unveiling of the plot. It does, and that's why, again, this is why I'm struggling to make the point, because I'm aware that it's central to the film, and the film's called The Gift, and it's like... Yeah, but I think that's the the distinction between calling this a supernatural thriller, which I don't think it is. No, it isn't. And calling it a Southern Gothic, because you're, you're tipping your toes into waters that are potentially supernatural, but you're not going all the way in. Yeah, and there's all these elements that are haunting, like the crew that are trying to save Keanu's character, like when she leaves the courthouse, there's this group of menacing people that are like, you know, you're going to burn in hell. And it's like, nothing comes of that. You just expect it to keep going to these places that it doesn't go. When, when Gianni, Giovanni Rubisi's character, like you think Keanu's a psycho and he's unhinged, but then, then he like threatens one of uh, Kate Blanchett's kids mm. and Giovanni, Giovanni Rubisi like goes, Hey, you're okay, kid, you know, and he gets a crowbar. And just walks over. So, so badass. So bad. I like, I'm just like, and then Keanu's got a gun out. Like, Keanu pulls a gun because that's what, Keanu's scared. You kind of want the Keanu character to be scared somehow, you know, because he's such a scumbag. And he's smashing his windscreen. Keanu pulls a gun on him. And rather than like, hey, whoa, man, you know, like, he just puts his head right up against the gun and says, kill me, shouts, kill me, kill yeah. me. And it's Keanu Reeves' buddy who, uh, well, sorry. Giovanni Ribisi is Buddy. It's Keanu Reeves's Buddy who's in his truck, yeah. <laughs> who actually saves the day just by driving off. But I think that's really interesting. I don't I, think Keanu would have killed him. Well, though. no, because one thing that Kate Blanchett has already said, and it comes up in the trial later on, is that he's actually far too much of a coward to ever kill anyone. He's far too yeah. small time, and it kind of comes back to what we were talking about with that close range a, a while ago, the Sean Penn Christopher Walker movie is that there are certain characters who like to think that they're a big shot because they're in a small town yeah. and they know no one else will ever call them on their shit. But then actually when there's a a significant force of malice, whatever you want to call it, that character is shown to be insignificant. And that's what Giovanni yeah. Ribisi shows him in that moment. Is like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know what, what, what a tortured soul looks like. I've got one, buddy. You're just a punk. You're just... You're nothing. Yeah, you are a punk. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a nice moment, but still, like, you do still go, oh, hang on a second, hang on a second. <laughs> like, I'm really happy you stood up for the kid. I'm really happy, you know. But then at the same time, it's like, oh, my God, he's really, he's really not okay. Like, his storyline as well is that 
There's a lot of ambiguity in this film, quite deliberately. Each character, you're not quite sure where their morals are coming from, where their standpoint's coming from. Except for Kate Blanchett. She seems to be pure. Well, let's talk about Keanu. I think when this came out, I remember the trailers for this, and I remember thinking, this looks kind of hammy. It looks kind of, like, over the top. I think the, the way the trailer was edited. Yeah, we've seen it before. And they cut into the trailer the... Uh, the sort of snarliest aspects of Ke- of Keanu Reeves' character, where he's really laying on the threat and the southern trailer trash scumbag stuff. I think there's something else in here that I really like about his performance. First of all, you do buy him completely as this scumbag. Yeah, more more than ever before. So I said in previous episodes, I don't buy Keanu as a villain. Uh, so we've seen him in um, Much Ado About Nothing and The Watcher as a villain, and I don't buy well, him The Watcher as a doesn't count, I don't think... Which doesn't yeah. count. Well, what I'm saying is this is my experience of him as a villain and I haven't seen him do a good villain up till now. And this is the best that I've seen Keanu be as a villain, but I, do, I don't buy him completely and that's probably just because it's Keanu. Well, what I like about this performance and this character as written is we've talked in the in the past a little bit about Keanu's eyes and how he has very soulful eyes. Yeah. And what this shows, and it did remind me of moments in The Watcher, but more so Don John in Much Do About Nothing, is he's nice. absolutely capable as an actor of turning that off. Like dead eyes. Turning his eyes to those of a hunting yeah. shark. Yeah. And <laughs> hunting it, shark. It, it's yeah, right. actually very impressive because it's... Right. It means that he doesn't have to go full psycho. He doesn't have to go full asshole. He can do a lot of it with his eyes. But then what he does later on in the film is he turns it back on and you see the humanity. In the court scene. I think he's really good in that court scene. And and he's juggling the, the inner conflict of that character. He's on trial for his life. He hates, he hates this woman who's a key witness in the trial of his life. He also knows that he didn't do it. And on top of that, he knows, I have done a lot of bad shit and I'm going to have to fess up to that. It's built on top of his very Christian beliefs. He knows he's been a bad Christian. He even says, he says, I'm a bad Christian. He's an avid churchgoer and he's sworn in on the Bible when he's walked into this courtroom and taken the stand. And so there's that moment where he he actually looks at his wife, Hilary Swank, and has all of this stuff going on. And he says, "I, I promised I'd tell the truth here. So yeah. It's no big secret. I hit my wife. And I I know I'm making a big deal out of this, but we're just bringing out those moments that show that Keanu does have the soul of an actor. You're right. You're absolutely right to say it. It's just, I, I'm not, you no disagreement from me. He, he does, he does do everything you said he did in that courtroom scene. The switch between the two sides of this character's personality is done well without it becoming like he's just playing two different parts now. You can see he's got the layered, nuanced performance that is required of him in that scene with all those all those layers that you described. He he nails it, which also makes him well cast because if he's not believable as the horrible scumbag as he is, that actually makes it seem like he's a guy with good morals who's gone wrong and keeps going wrong, keeps messing up. He knows what good morals are, but at the same time, he's got some other weird values too. He makes some racial slurs and says that Kate Blanchett's no better than these other these these people. So he might be a good Christian, but he's not. He's not a progressive. No, Christian. no, he's, he's a typical <laughs> Southern Christian, <laughs> old school, old school. Yeah, borderline, if not full on white supremacist. Yeah. Like that's kind of 
how he seems. So it was saying like he might be he might be a good man with good values, but who's gone wrong? I think he was. You think he's always wrong. But again, the lack of believability for me of Keanu as a full-on bad guy, like just an evil guy, that lends itself well to the performance to this particular performance. I think he did a good job. I think that I've got a bias. I just don't like see Keanu seeing Keanu playing the bad guy. He's playing against type, and I think also while I'm saying it's a really good performance, we have to acknowledge Keanu Reeves is primarily a movie star, and that means he's never going to be someone who disappears into a role. Uh, hasn't been to yeah. date. Neo is that yeah. closest merging of Keanu the actor, Keanu the spirit, and Neo the role. And because he's playing against type here, you you are obviously confronted with hey, that's Keanu playing a bad guy, rather than, yeah. wow, this character's amazing. Who's that guy playing him? He's never going to Vigo Mortensen, Daniel Day-Lewis himself out of the shot and make you just see no. the character. So I'm not saying that he ever is. And I, I don't really think there's a film where you can do that because Keanu Reeves, much like Tom Cruise, is an actor who gives good performances, perhaps, but you still always see the actor. Yeah. You're, uh, you nailed it. That's exactly right. That's what happens. And I, that that is more, even more, my bias, I think, with, with Keanu. He's got a beard in this. I can't... He's very John Wick in this. Like, I just see John Wick. De- yeah, definitely the first shades of what will become John Wick. Sure, that darkness, that menace. Absolutely. There's there's no real Keanu-verse going on here. Not that I picked up on. Did you? No, just tying tying the Spider-Verses together, really. The Spider-Verse is now a part of the Keanu-Verse, as far as I'm concerned. We've had two Aunt Mays in two consecutive weeks. So Yeah, right. that's fair enough for me. That's that's good enough for me. Well, and, and obviously, J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons. Well, yeah, J. Jonah Jane- Jameson, of course. J. Jonah Jameson used to be a sheriff in a small town. Let's talk about then why it doesn't all come together at the end. What was your experience of that then? For me, I think it was just because the minute it turns into a whodunit, I knew who did it. There was only two candidates, yeah, and I, I think yeah. one of them gets. Should I say who they are? Well, Gary Cole, yeah, Gary and Cole, Greg and Greg Kinnear. That was it. If you know who done it, then it's the two least likely people. It definitely wasn't Giovanni Ribisi and it definitely wasn't Keanu because Kate Blanchett's telling you it's not Keanu. So, and she's and got the in, gift, yeah, so we yeah. know. He's in prison, yeah. And then when she went to Gary Cole, then that's when you know he didn't do it either. Yeah. He's a bit suspicious. Yeah. He's a bit, but you know, you can just tell. He's, he's not playing it that way, that like he's not going to suddenly kill her because she found out. Would have been an amazing cover-up, though, to, to murder your lover because she's sleeping around with everyone in town seemingly but then be appointed to prosecute her murder to completely divert attention away from yourself in a way i wanted it to be gary cole that would have been amazing and i think we're supposed that's why they show us the flash of kate blanchett catching them and i don't know is that a vision again is that a vision or is that did she actually catch them and when she goes to his uh, office to tell him that I thought that was a really nice yeah. touch that he never questioned. Yeah. How do you know that? It wasn't like she'd yeah. heard some idle gossip. Yeah, yeah. I know this person can see visions because she's led everyone to the, the body. You know, she, she habeas corpus to me, right? But how does she know about me and Katie Holmes? But yeah, the, yeah the, it, just the whole bit with Greg Kinnear, I found very, very unsatisfying. I th- so here's the thing. Greg Kinnear. It, I think it's Greg Kinnear as well. I kind of want to say nothing wrong with Greg Kinnear, but then I kind of want to say 
There's always something wrong with Greg Kinnear. Why? Like, he's fine, but I just maybe it's just because I always see him as that guy in Little Miss Sunshine. I feel like Greg Kinnear always plays the same roles. I don't know about that. Does Greg Kinnear ever play just a straight-up, just nice yeah, guy? Yeah, as good as it gets. No, no problems. All right. Oh, yeah, he is in that, isn't yeah. he? One, I didn't buy the chemistry between him and Kate. Oh, Russell. see, I did. And that's why it was a shame that it was him for me. Okay. So that's why you're disappointed. That's why you're disappointed. Partly. Like, I always suspected it was him. Yeah, well, like I say, he was in the top two. But I, I much preferred... I, I get... Look, okay, hang on. Let's get something straight. I wanted it to be Gary Colmore because he's more of a yeah. sleazebag. Yeah, yeah. I liked Greg Kinnear more. And I, I did like their burgeoning romance i thought the scene between them at the country club in particular was very sweet and he was actually yeah really surprisingly alluring like he can turn it on you know and that was kind of cool he did he did turn it on Uh, but that's why it works better for the film that it is great in it i guess i actually think though i i really liked the scene back in the in the uh police station with the giovanni rubisi reveal and i thought Again, yeah, it, that really that I really like. Great yeah. piece of performance from Kate Blanchett there as well. I think actually one of the reasons that it didn't leave me feeling better about the film was because I wanted Keanu Reeves to be exonerated. He's in prison oh, falsely, yeah. and I actually wanted him to come out and say to Kate Blanchett, "Like fucking thank you, man. Like you didn't have to do that." That's the thing that I'm missing. That's what I said earlier on, right at the beginning. I was saying I felt sorry for Kate Blanchett. Her life doesn't improve at all. Nothing really feels that resolved, even though the main things of the thing did get resolved. That's the scene that's missing. Even if it was literally just her waiting in a car and Keanu's released from prison and he gives her a nod or something. That's it. And the other thing is, and I I know that, fine, you're disappointed it was Greg Kinnear, but Gary Cole is obviously a misdirect. As soon as you know it's a whodunit, Gary Cole's the misdirect because we expect it. Did you at any time think it might be Giovanni Ribisi? No. Oh, I think that you're, there's a moment where you're supposed to think it's Katie Holmes's dad as well, Chelsea Ross. We see him kiss his daughter on the lips, and it's like, whoa, there's yeah. some shit going on here. Yeah. And then we find out yeah, that yeah. Giovanni Ribisi's having weird ancestral thoughts as well. Yeah. You know, so th- there's definitely some of that mixed in there as well, in classic whodunit fashion. And again, that I think that's some, something that the film has going for it. If any of you have the courage to watch it, if anyone listening has the courage to watch this film, and I'll, I'll say right now, I'm not, I'm not recommending it. But please, please write to us and try and explain what it to me what it is that I feel something big is missing from this film, and I can't quite work out what it is. I can't put my finger on. Maybe it is things like it being resolved like that. I did feel a ton better towards the end. Like it was very uneasy watching the film for me. What Sam Raimi's got done well is this. It's suspenseful. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't say it's thrilling. I think I wanted a bit more Sam Raimi in the third act is really my problem with it. When it when it does just become okay. not a foregone conclusion, but we're just going to go yeah. through the machinations of, yeah. of, of resolving this thread now. That yeah. didn't really hold a shock or a surprise. The, the twist, if you want, is something else, and it is something more related to the gift. But I kind of wanted yeah. some Sam Raimi madness in that final act. Uh, to, what, would that, to, what would that be? What would that look like? I don't know. A shotgun and a head, probably something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe some yeah. maybe some deadites. But um, yeah. yeah, I think that would have that would have elevated it for me because a simple plan. Uh, Gary Cole's in that as well, actually, is so much better than this uh, in in terms of delivering those twists, delivering an emotional punch, uh, also delivering a fair amount of surprising and sometimes shocking violence but not too much oh my god man 
when when Keanu punched Kate Blanchett in the stomach, man, I hated that. Yeah, one. crazy. So horrible. Crazy in front of the cops. Yeah, at least J.K. like pulled a gun on him. Yeah. Oh no, but Greg Kinnear then punched him in the face back, didn't he? Yeah. Like it was that was shocking. It was shocking. Yeah, there are a couple of moments like that, and, and I think that's what's missing from the the resolution is actually it it did need another gut punch in there, and it was. I know what's I I got it. I got it. I know what's upsetting to me. I want to recast this with Ronda Rousey, right, as as the Kate Blanchett character. Okay. And I want her to go around just fucking up all these scumbag guys. That's the film I want. Does she still have the gift, or is the gift? Yeah, she's got the gift. The gift is she's my like, foot in your ass. She's like Kate Blanchett's character, but at the like in the third act, instead of she like instead of like psychic stuff, she just like downloads kung fu and all that, and just goes around fucking up all the horrible men in town, getting revenge. Okay. Justice is served. All right. Possibly you need a different kind of film then. I do think this is it's it's a scraping reg- recommendation because I think there's lots of really nice work in this, and I think if you are a fan of Sam Raimi, this is him trying his hand at bridging those two worlds of a straight thriller yeah. and something a bit more in the horror genre. But I think you do have to know up front it's going to go through the motions of a whodunit largely. Uh, much more than it will a supernatural thriller. It will, yeah. So again, it, it, like like you said, if you're sold on that, you might be disappointed because of the thing. But I don't think you'll be disappointed with the way it's delivered. Like it's there's good craft in this for sure. It didn't pass the ten seconds you're in good hands test for me. You know, sure. the first ten yeah, seconds yeah. of the movie, that feeling. I didn't I actually got the opposite yeah. feeling. I don't really like those shots at the beginning of the film. No, I don't know what they're for. Well, it felt like the watcher. Actually, I was like, "Oh no!" Well, like again, I think, we I think because there isn't anything spooky or particularly gothic in the first forty minutes, that's that's there as a as a sort of a swatch to say, just to say, "Ooh, it's spooky." Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but there is some really effective, creepy imagery. I think the vision where she does see Katie Holmes's body floating in the tree. Yeah, that was haunting. Yeah. Very effective, very well done. Good yeah. incorporation of digital and practical stuff going on there. Yeah. And the fiddle player on the side of the river. Really, really well done. Really creeped me out, the fiddle player. Yeah. And and actually the way that played into the dialogue of like the way she's like, no, it's not the fiddle player. Who lives next to yeah. him? I, I like that because that shows us that like, you know, it is like in a dream. When you say, when you try and tell somebody about a dream and it doesn't make any sense when you try and tell them about it, or it's like, yeah, you were in the dream, but it wasn't you. It didn't look like you, but you were there. It was yeah. you. You were in a sound, you were technically, you were in Alsatian, but I knew it was you. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Like, you're a goldfish, but it was my mum. <laughs> you can see there's a lot that's gone into this. There wasn't enough revenge in it for me. I wanted more revenge for everything went wrong. And I also just realized hearing you describe. You know, those shots at the beginning, whatever. It's actually a who's going to get it. Then it's a whodunit. Because you know that one of the women's going to get it. And you don't know which one. Yeah. And then one of them does. And then it's who, which one of these men did it. Yeah. Ready for a quick trip to Stapletown. Luscious hair. No question. He's got the long hair. He's got the John Wick beard. Yeah, but it's greasy. I it's like greasy. it. I think it's luscious. Yep. Okay. Um, The other big one. Guilting some, he's having an affair with a now murdered woman. I think that counts. This isn't even. This yeah. isn't even a question. This is. This is the epitome of guilting some, and it's not only because of the court scene that we know he feels guilty about it. Uh, although Katie Holmes did give him an amazing compliment, which uh, he recounts as he's the only man in town who knows how to fuck. Which 
you know, even if you go in, even Which, if you go into prison, like you're like, boys, I'm going to die out. And then on this the one. camera, the the camera then goes to every man in the courtroom that she slept with, <laughs> and they all go, oh, okay. <laughs> like you can see, they've got like a bit of a sad yeah, face yeah. on them. Like definitely, oh, all right. yeah, sorry, Rightly so. But in that same scene, as much as I like Keanu in that scene, there is an inappropriate reaction shot there. Ah, uh, he's it. being cross-examined about being a wife beater, and he says that thing, and it cuts to Hilary Swank, and then Gary Cole, who's prosecuting him, yeah. lays something else on him, and there is just a shot, just cuts back to Keanu, and he's just <laughs> yes, he's he's sat he's there with his yeah. mouth open, like he's yeah. just been told some shocking fact, just after this really heartfelt confession that he's given. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, inappropriate reaction shot, for sure. I didn't see too many others, though. I didn't see a woe. I didn't hear a woe. Didn't do any stunts, I, especially. I bet he's got a guitar, though. Didn't see him play it. Uh, his name's Donny Barksdale, so he's not a John or a Jack. And I didn't no. see his rangy run either, because he's always just cruising around in a I'm truck. I'm not holding my breath anymore for this John or Jack it. thing. Don't and worry I'm about it. Don't worry about it. Get out of my head. Let me worry about it. Get out of my head. It's one of the staples. Yeah, but it's <laughs> one I'm tracking. You don't need to worry about it. You look out for his rangy yeah, fine, run, fine. and I'll take care of the Johns and Jacks. Okay. Rangy run. No, I didn't see that no. either. Philosophical, spiritual, spirituality yeah. for sure, because he's—it's in the movie. It's not got much to do with his character. Actually, I guess well, his character—he's got faith. He's got really strong faith, and he, yeah, and actually, he thinks he does break into Kate Blanchett's house and write Satan on her bed, yeah, and he so. calls her a witch and all sorts. Yeah, so yep. there's definitely yep. some shit. Going. Fair enough. There's some... and and he goes to prison as a patsy in a conspiracy. It's all in there. Yeah. So the one we're missing, two we're missing, is woes and guitar and John or Jack stunts. and stunts. Yeah, that's a quite a lot. And the range you run. I was like, we've almost got a bingo. But yeah, no, nowhere, no, nowhere close. Numbers? Yo. It's your numbers. Budget was $10 million. Now, that's yeah. pretty impressive when you look at... For this film. Yeah, not only yeah. the production values, but the cast that's in it. The cast, of course. Here I am thinking, ah... Oh, this is a, this cast is it's like all before they were big, and it's like, nope. It's not, no, it's not. Hilary Swank already had it. Did she already have an Oscar at this point? Yeah, she did. She, 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 boys don't cry. That's right. Yeah, the year before. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really impressive. Ten million. Most of those, most of those ten million must have been on on for the actors. I don't think so. I think they would have all done it real cheap because they believed in the film. That ten million would not get you this cast. Worldwide gross forty four and a half. So actually made okay yeah. money for its budget. It was nominated for 11 awards, mostly Satins and Chainsaws, which are sci-fi and horror awards, uh, none of which were Razzies, thankfully, so Keanu got away from this one. One number that I'm going to mention for the hardcore Raimi fans, the car that Kate Blanchett drives around in this is a Delta 88 Oldsmobile. That is significant because it's Ash's car from The Evil Dead, Ah. and it's in all of Sam Raimi's movies. Okay. That's why they're drawing attention to the car a lot. Of the oh, time. it's in the car a lot, yeah. yeah. Rotten Tomatoes score of 57% and an IMDb score of 6.6 as we record. That's quite high. It's your numbers. So, all that said, you're saying that it's not a recommendation from you. What would, what would you score it just as a piece of work? I want to give it three stars, but I really didn't enjoy watching it, actually. And it's not a bad film. So, this is a really difficult one to score. I have to give it two and a half stars because... I gave the watcher two stars. <laughs> did I give the watcher two stars? I think I did. Yeah, yeah, you did. And I can't give these two films the same score, but I enjoyed watching and talking about the watcher much more than I've enjoyed watching and talking about this. So, 
It's an unfair score. Definitely can't agree with that. I want to give it three stars, but I can't because that just kind of says that I like the film and I and I don't I don't like it. I didn't enjoy it. It's good. Like people who like this kind of film will like this kind of film. I think it's not it's not a bad film. I don't think it's a winner though. Even even saying what I'm saying, I don't think it's a film that's like I don't think even if I liked this kind of film that I could say four stars. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I think. What this is going for is the same audience that went to see The Sixth Sense that liked Stir of Echoes, which came out around the same time. This is cut from that same cloth, and I think if you're into that sort of stuff, this is a recommendation mostly on the performances and the filmmaking. I think you do yeah. have to go on with low expectations, though. Uh, it it feels very paperback novel to me. It's a it's a it's yeah. a page turner. It's an airport novel. It's standard, yeah. yeah. It's a standard film. But I think it's a it's a pretty good film. It's not as good as the the best of Sam Raimi's stuff. Uh, it's certainly not as good as a simple plan. But if you like a simple plan, I think there's stuff in this that you'll like. I went three and a half stars because I think it's a okay. it's 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 not a strong recommendation. It's not a film that I think you have to see. I think it's a film that if you go in with the right expectations, you, you can have a good time with it. So that was the gift. Uh, really do recommend uh, a simple plan uh, to you, Alex, and to anyone who's listening. It's yeah. a really effective, tight thriller. Bill Paxton. It's the better Sam Raimi from, and Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton is the go. lead. There's the Paxton factor. And Billy Bob Thornton was nominated for an Oscar as Best Supporting, and Bridget Fonda plays Bill Paxton's wife. Uh, it doesn't have any supernatural element to it. It is a straightforward crime thriller, uh, but very, very okay. good one. Next time. I know there will be at least one really big tick for the Keanu Staples when we sit down to watch Sweet November, starring Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron. Sweet November is a film I don't think either of us have seen. I've not seen it. No, I've not seen it. So uh, no preconceptions going in there. Join us for that. As always, if you have anything that we've mentioned today that you disagree with, anything you want to correct us on, or just... If you agree. Anything, yeah. Any, Maybe you just think we're amazing and you just want to say you're right about everything you say all the time. Contact us at theornithology at gmail.com. And until next time, whatever you're doing, whether you're doing it on your own or you're doing it with other people, be excellent. And if there are other people around, make sure you're just all excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. Party on, dudes. Bye.